Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, got a lot of news to get to. We've got uh, some things to hit on, clean up. The first week uh, kickoff dates and times have been announced for the conference, um, along with some uh, insight into the Friday games for some other teams. The Wisconsin uh, we'll have that for the opener, so we'll get into that a little bit. We'll talk about some other news on the basketball front, um, a little recruiting stuff. Then we'll talk about uh, what Paul Chris had to say in his Monday morning presser. Uh, we kind of hit on that the last few weeks, kind of a nice little uh, working into the episode, hearing what he had to say, talking about uh, that. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to do a little exercise, kind of a stock up, stock down um, for players on the Wisconsin football team, guys that we expect to maybe exceed expectations and guys that not necessarily, you know, we don't want to knock anyone, but maybe someone that uh, is, is, you know, maybe might fall below expectations, whether because expectations are too high or uh, uh, certain situations with certain players where we think may uh, not have as big of a season as we were maybe expecting. So it'll be an interesting exercise to, to kind of round out the episode uh, get you started uh, with a fun little exercise this week. And then, uh, of course, next week we'll be into uh, game prep for the episodes. Uh, got someone from the Champagne Room already lined up to talk Illinois with us uh, on the pod, which we did a lot last year for each week. So uh, getting closer and closer to the kickoff of Big Ten football, which is exciting to see. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Ready to talk a, a lot of different things. You know, we're talking a little bit of uh, – you know, we got a little NHL draft talk in here. We've got a little bit of a little bit of basketball talk as things are kind of getting closer and closer. I think it's we're down to like 40 days almost uh, now until tip off of you know tentative tip off of the Badgers' first game here, um, as well as just obviously football, which is is really um, coming coming close here. So I'm I'm excited. How are you doing, dude? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think, you know, we're you know, very close to football season and, and that feels like it's going to, you know, finally be here. Of course, it's been a delay. And then from the announcement of the return, you know, that was still weeks away where you're just sitting there and, and waiting and waiting and waiting. But before you know it, you know, once we get fully into the swing of, of football season and, and breaking down, you know, the eight games, basketball is going to be here, you know, r- right around the corner, which is kind of weird, but also exciting um, to, you know, be having, uh, you know, both seasons going on and, and getting closer and closer. Usually there's kind of a, a good gap when football starts before basketball gets going, but it's going to, you know, it's it's not far and it's going to feel even quicker with the startup of football and, and next thing you know, basketball is going to be here, so... Uh, as a, as a Badger fan, you should be excited because there's two teams that are you know quality teams in both the Wisconsin football and basketball team, and I'm excited to see both of them take the field in court respectively. So I can't uh, I can't wait for that. So I'm excited to talk a little bit of both on today's show. Oh, for sure. Let's let's jump into these news. Here's what's happening. All right, guys, news of the day. The first one, um, the first game uh, kickoff for Wisconsin and Illinois. 
uh, in Camp Randall. The start date and time has been announced, as well as the television game schedule. It'll be set for Friday night at 7 p.m. on Big Ten Network. There was a few other games announced uh, as well for week one. Um, nothing on the rest of the schedule. Hopefully they'll get that out soon. It feels like it's been quite a while that uh, fans have been waiting for, trying to figure out uh, times and stuff like that. But uh, interesting little uh, tidbit for the Badgers being on a Friday night. I don't know. I guess I don't know why I didn't expect it, but I'm, I'm all for it. I, I don't mind. Uh, it's tough for the Friday night games for the high school football, for, you know, people that travel around, the stuff like that. Um, so I can, I'm sure there's people out there that are not happy about it. Me being a 25-year-old uh, kid, I don't really uh, know much about the high school scene or have much involvement in that, but I could see how it could be kind of a pain if you do. Uh, but what do you make of the, the Friday night game? I know that was the original plan to start the season anyway, but uh, now the Badgers will be in prime time to kick off the Big Ten season. I think it's great. I think it's it's good for the Badgers. Uh, you obviously weren't going to have recruits at the game anyways. Uh, obviously, in-state kids, it's going to be tough for them to be able to watch the game, um, which is hard, and, and really for players, high school players across the country. But but I, I think it also is one of those things where the Badgers are going to be one of the lone games on television that night, which is never a bad thing. Uh, it sucks that it's going to be without any fans or anything like that just because of covid However, night games are always fun, exciting. For me, I'm kind of excited because I think Friday night, it kind of opens up your Saturday to watch a bunch of other games. So selfishly, I'm, I'm all for it, um, but I also do get the drawbacks just in terms of uh, you know, 7 p.m. Some people are getting off work a little later. It's tough to get to the TV for that, and um, as well as obviously the high school games, which I think is the bigger the bigger thing. But um, overall, I think it's it's – Solid, and I, I wasn't too surprised by this, given the fact that Barry has has leaned into the idea of these Friday night kickoffs, anyways. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, I think it'll be good, to, like you mentioned, the, the standalone game, uh, kind of on those Friday nights. I think uh, you know more teams like to do that, jump to the opportunity where maybe it's. I think this will be a game that, of course, as a Badger fan and, and someone who makes some money off of uh, the Badgers athletics. You want to see the Badgers in prime time because that uh, you know that drives viewership and clicks in the whole nine yards. But uh, I like kind of you know more teams doing that standalone game and getting some of those games that maybe are on a crowded Saturday. You, you get your own little spotlight, which I always like. Um, so that's so cool, and I'm excited to see that. And like you said, you know, as a, as a selfish college football fan, you know, now you don't have to worry about uh, watching – uh, the Badgers on Saturday, that that would obviously be you know, everyone's first priority who's listening to this. Now you can kind of tune into other games and make your Saturday a little bit more relaxed. It'll make the Friday a little tense, waiting around all day for kickoff. Um, but uh, you, you'll take it, and uh, and I think it's it's good for the Badgers to get that out of the way early. I know uh, you mentioned Barry Alvarez kind of being lenient on those Friday night games, but I know he usually is one that. They like to do it early, which I like. You know, I I, I would like uh, the first one to be on a Friday, but uh, you know, the the later ones, you know, like some teams like Minnesota, which we'll talk about here in a second, gets three Friday games. That would be that would be a little bit tougher to me. It doesn't feel like a, a normal flow of a Saturday, but I'll I'll gladly settle on one. You know, the the season opener is always uh, one that doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, I mean, we we saw what uh, uh, these. Badgers kind of usually come out with in those opening games, and I think this one's going to have some some juice for the players with uh, everything going on, and especially on a Friday night, 
and everything. So I think it's all in all, it's a it's a win. I would say. What do you make of if if you were a fan with three? Because I, I know I, I saw a lot of Minnesota fans uh, that were not thrilled with the three Friday night games. What would you make of that if you had three versus just the one? Because I think that would bother me uh, quite a bit more. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Three is is a, a little extreme. Um, I, I think Minnesota obviously wanted to get them those games out there and wanted to be on Friday nights for attention, which, God forbid, Peach was out in front of a, a lens for more time than not. But um, I, I think I think that's a lot. That's um, And then really you look at that Minnesota-Maryland game, and that's not even really a, that great of a game to put on a Friday night. I think the Iowa-Minnesota game and the Purdue game, those are pretty good. I, I, I would watch those on a Friday night, and it – selfishly it's it's another game that I can watch but if you're a fan of that team um, usually you can get in a little bit of a rhythm and as and for the Gophers really that kind of knocks them out of the rhythm with the Badgers it's your first game and then from there it's it's Saturdays the rest of the way um, it, it kind of doesn't allow you to kind of get in that normal season rotation and um, practice schedule that you're used to uh, with walkthroughs and timing and everything. So I think it does change things, but I'm glad for the Badgers' sake. It's just the first one, and then you're back to normal. For them, I, I who knows how that'll affect everything. They're lucky that most of those games are at home. Um, but but really, yeah, I'm, I'm with fans of the Gophers for the first time in my life, and uh, saying that I don't really think that that's in their best interest to have three. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one for sure. I would not. I mean, as a Badger fan, and, and maybe it throws the rhythm rhythm off a little bit. You're probably uh, okay with it, but if it were my team, I would probably be making a stink as well because three three Friday games is just a little odd. Uh, you know, it's it's hard, like you said, to get into routine and everything like that. So interesting uh, little um, you know schedule release. Hopefully, the Big Ten will continue to get us more times. Um, for the rest of the games, I know uh, I know there's been a lot of parents. I remember seeing. I was going to say the the other the person that's probably not happy about it is Stacy Rucci because I've seen her tweet. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry, Stacy, but I've seen you tweet a couple times at the Big Ten hoping for no Friday games. Well, they did not come through on your request, and I'm sure a lot of high school parents are. That's going to be the the tough part, but uh, it is what it is, and hopefully the Big Ten can get us the rest of the the schedule out soon because I'm intrigued to see when some of these games will be played. I know that. Uh, week two Halloween game uh, with Nebraska will be an interesting one too, and a lot of these uh, start times will be uh, be nice, and hopefully uh, we can get uh, that ironed out here soon. But let's transition over to some basketball. Uh, freshman Lauren Bowman is uh, taking over or taking a leave of absence from the Wisconsin basketball team to attend a personal matter. So we just wanted to touch on that briefly. Wish him. Of course, the best of luck with whatever the situation is that's going on with him, that he can uh, you know, take care of whatever family business he has and, and hopefully return to the team soon. But uh, in terms of on the court, you know, he looked like a player that is, whenever he comes back, I think he's going to be a guy that could be into the rotation. So what do you make of, of this situation and the, the impact that that might have on the, the men's basketball team? Yeah, I think I think it's big. He he's a kid that I'm really high on. I think he brings a lot to the backcourt 
and I think he could be a, a player that could have helped them out this year. I think it becomes a lot tougher just based off of the fact that he's not going to be um, on campus participating in practice and everything. Sounds like he's fully committed to coming back, obviously just needing to figure out stuff at home family-wise. Um, so not going to sit here and postulate as to what it is. I know that there was some stuff uh, over the summer as well that his family was going through. So I'm hoping that uh, everything can get ironed out for him and his family and wishing them nothing but the best. And that's really what takes precedent over um, anything basketball-related. Luckily, it is uh, his freshman year, so he can still redshirt, be just fine, not miss a beat. Um, if anything, it, it makes it so that Trevor Anderson's probably going to see a lot more playing time than um, – than we normally or would have thought going into the season, especially um, also Johnny Davis. Yeah, it opens up opportunities for, for a lot of different guys. And, you, of course, you have to take care of your family and, and matters off the court before you worry about basketball. And, like you said, a situation, um, you know, as a freshman, it works out a little bit better, uh, especially the tough circumstances that you at least have a plan in place that it hopefully doesn't make you, you know, miss a beat on the, the court that way whenever he's able to, uh, return, but it definitely as a as a people that were fairly high on him, I expected him to kind of be in the rotation. It does open up some minutes for guys like Trevor Anderson. Uh, both the Davis brothers can kind of work into uh, you know maybe not necessarily his minutes because Bowman was probably going to take some minutes you know at that point guard position. But uh, he, the way Greg Gard might be able to structure it now definitely changes some, and you'll see. Um, you know, more minutes from those guys, from, from Anderson and Davis, and you're going to need more production from them. You know, Trevor Anderson's always been a good bench piece, but I think you're going to have to expect more from him this year, uh, given that absence now. And I think uh, for, for fans of the Davis brothers, you're, you're going to now see, uh, I think, an even bigger amount of Johnny to, to be worked into that one of those two guard positions, which will be uh, intriguing to see. I was excited about this freshman class for – what they brought to the table, you know, a couple guys I thought that could definitely make an impact, Bowman and, and Davis being one of them. But now we're going to see maybe a little bit more of some other guys, which uh, just creates opportunity for, for guys that are, uh, you know, on the bench that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, also with the basketball team, uh, they pulled out of the Fort Myers tip-off. Uh, usually uh, it was – that was something that was supposed to be, supposed to include Colorado Butler and South Florida as well. The, going on down there in Fort Myers. Colorado and Butler had already pulled out, so I think it was just writing on the wall for the Badgers that I think once Butler pulled out, uh, I think the Badgers were like, hey, that's taking away um, kind of what we were hoping to get out of this tournament. So it, it sounds like the Badgers are going to try to do uh, a home tournament here to, to bring in some teams to in play. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what that slate might look like. I know Drew put together an article on B5Q about some teams that would make a, make it a lot of fun. But I think really uh, overall it doesn't impact things too much. The Badgers have a pretty good non-con schedule already in place with, with some teams like Tennessee already on the schedule. But but what, what did you make of taking that out? Yeah, it'll be uh, – well, I, I, I'm not surprised that they took it out. Like you said, the, there were other teams that had already kind of made that decision, so it was kind of just waiting for Wisconsin to, to put the final stamp or the last draw uh, to be you know removing themselves from that. I, I think the tournament, if it would have gone off and, and before COVID, was an intriguing one. You know, uh, With Butler, Colorado, a team that uh, was, was better last year and maybe a program that's starting to work their way back up. Uh, South Florida would have been – you know, an intriguing matchup if you somehow drew them in the tournament. But either way, Wisconsin, it's, it looked like Wisconsin and Butler in that first one, which would have been exciting. And then 
whatever you get in the other one would be uh, a, a quality game. You know, you're traveling on the road and improving your schedule a little bit, but it, it doesn't hurt too much. And if you could maybe replace that with some sort of tournament in Madison, which would be cool to see, um, I think it would, would kind of be a wash if you can get the right teams in there. But I, I did see Drew's article. I didn't get a chance to read it fully. I kind of skimmed it. But is there if, – if you were putting together a tournament, you know, that, that you wanted to see teams in there, who would you look at as maybe quality opponents that you could get in there uh, and make it a fun, exciting little tournament for, for all teams involved? Um, so sticking to a four, I'm just going to completely just – throw some teams out there that I think would be fun. Um, I'm going to go Dayton, West Virginia, and Richmond. Um, I think I, that would be a nice little tournament to, to spark some stuff. There's some some good good teams in there, um, as well as some teams that uh, the Badgers would probably want to take down. Um, I think it'd be fun to play Dayton after they had such a good season last year. Obviously, don't quite have some of the same returning talent, but they seem to be pretty good year in and year out. And then uh, Richmond, because of last year, would be a fun one. And then um, I think West Virginia um, basketball, just being able to um, go ahead and bring bring home some of their, their talents to play, um, I think would be a, a lot of fun. I think the Badgers... Um, have some good relationships um, with that team. You look at a guy like Jordan McCabe who can do some stuff with the ball, who's from the state. I think that would be a fun game to to watch in, in two contrasting styles tipping off. Yeah, I like both of those. They're um, all three of those. I think Richmond would be a team that uh, the, the Badgers have some, not necessarily bad blood with, but would like to get a little revenge factor. Then. I've always wanted to see them uh, take on Dayton. I like them as you know one of those Atlantic 10 schools, smaller schools that could maybe uh, hop their way up. I was thinking I'll also, um, you know, if I was still looking at more regionally, I know the Badgers and, and Creighton have played more recently. I, I, I One team that I thought right away was Iowa State. Um, I don't remember. I don't, have they ever played in basketball? It's been quite a long time if they have. Um, I know they played in football a long, long time ago, but basketball, I'll try and pull up the Winsipedia. I'm not sure if they have, but it seems like a one that you definitely could play. You know, it's not that much further from Iowa City and, uh, you know, and aims that way, and it's two programs that have been quality you know, teams for a long time, so I'd love to see um, sort of some sort of tournament there. And then I know Drew mentioned UNI in their tournament, which would be uh, one already. I know the Badgers have had some secret scrimmages with them in the past where if you played an official game, that would be a good one too to, to get some rivals from uh, our friends south of the border uh, in the Iowa State, in the Hawkeye State, I should say. Um, yeah, I mean, Iowa State's another team that the Badgers usually have secret scrimmages with. Those are those two, two um, that state, I should say, just really brings the Badgers to, to want to play them. But the last time the Badgers and Cyclones tipped off was back in 1974. Okay. So yep. it's been a while. Been a while. Let's renew that rivalry. Let's get them up to Madison, and then uh, we can maybe return the favor down the road and go do some Hilton Magic. But I, I, what I love about this, the little four-team tournament and in and, and college football too, is how fast um, you know these administrators are, are willing to pivot to add games and change things around because in college football for years especially we've seen you know schedules being made 10 years in advance when you know now that you see with with COVID that you can change things up and, and be ready in essentially uh, two weeks to to a month time so 
I, I know people have always asked, you know, why why do we need to schedule games 12 years out? And, and now the answer is you really don't need to. You could probably throw this thing together the year before <laughs> and be fine. But uh, that always cracked me up that there's, there's so much uh, willingness to pivot when before COVID that just was not a thing that, uh, that really happened. Uh, and now it's happening, you know, pretty regularly that things are changing and, and everyone's just like, yep, let's do it. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that there's going to be a little bit more um, bendability from from schools in terms of scheduling, and hopefully that happens because I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you don't want to lose games if if you don't have to. You can hopefully uh, get some things figured out uh, and move some things around. Basketball, of course, you can be a little bit more flexible, so that'll be interesting to see uh, as the season you know approaches because you don't need you know it's not one game a week. You can fit a couple different in and do some different things. So little bit easier to reschedule that way. All right, I think for the first time ever, we're going to talk some NFL draft um, and not necessarily how it impacts anyone. NHL draft, draft, I think. Any, <laughs> oh, yeah, what did I say? Any, NFL. Oh, NHL. <laughs> We've talked NFL draft, and maybe it's just embedded in my mind. NHL draft, yes, you were correct. Um, Jake Rosloff was not selected in the NHL draft. Um, you know, he's a kid that is out of Minnesota, uh, has uh, aspirations for both uh, a hockey career and possibly a college football career. Wisconsin in the running um, for his recruitment on the football side. So what do you make of that, and how do you think that kind of impacts or, or maybe changes his plans or, or kind of lays out a clearer picture of what he might be thinking to do as the Badgers try and land him and uh, really tighten up uh, the last of that class? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, that news was pretty big. Um, I think it was also one quick shout-out to Dylan Holloway, also got drafted, Badger hockey player, got picked 14th by the Edmonton Oilers, which I think that's a nice little streak for the Badger hockey team now, having guys getting drafted back again because there was a little, a little lull there for a while um, a few years ago. But now um, back to Ratzloff. Um, I, I really think that if the Badgers um, – are able to sway him to go to, to play football. I think that decision just got a lot, a lot easier because there isn't that guarantee of, of uh, the NHL right now for him. I, I think, man, if the Badgers could get him, he's one of the players that I'm the highest on in this entire class of targets that they're after because of what he brings to the table. He reminds me a lot of Zach, uh, Jack Snitchy, um, both in terms of his size and explosiveness. Um, I think he could play both inside and outside, similar to how Sitchi did. Um, and I think he would be a really good player that I think the Badgers would obviously want. They sent him an official offer, so hopefully they can uh, make him part of this class and he can flip from that hockey commitment to Minnesota. But but I think him going undrafted is, is probably a tough pill for him to swallow. So you obviously don't wish that upon him. You wish rather that he would have that, uh, you know, a higher draft pick where he'd be looking at one of the first three rounds and having to really weigh his decision. But this definitely helps the Badgers' chances of getting him. And I think if he does commit to the Badgers, you're probably looking at a consensus four-star kid um, once hockey's off the table because his, his his film is is superb and he's a really good athlete. The Badgers do well with, with guys who are former hockey players. Um, cough, cough, TJ Watt. So, <laughs> Yeah. The Watt brothers' first love being that uh, sport of hockey it certainly has paid off for them. But, yeah, you look at Jake Rosloff, if, if you're talking, you know, a, a career uh, in college football or hoping for a career in the NHL, that means you've got some serious serious athleticism uh, that you can use on the field. I like that you mentioned, you know, his 
Uh, versatility on the position-wise, I think, like you said, he could be anywhere from inside to outside and, and have a lot of success. Or he could, you know, go to Minnesota and play hockey and probably end up in the NHL uh, and do a lot of different things. There's kids like that that uh, always turn out to be uh, solid players and whenever, whatever they do, just because the athletic ability is there and however it translates, they can they can make the most out of it. But it definitely helps the Badgers uh, in terms of their recruitment to try and get one more big piece in that class. You know, the class is pretty tightened up right now. Um, you know, with the names, I think there's a couple names out there, and, and Rotsloff probably the biggest one. Uh, still up in the air where if the Badgers could land him, that really uh, puts together that kind of that final stamp uh, and bow uh, on the big pieces in that class, which would be exciting to see. And uh, got a little bit easier for them now uh, with that, uh, you know, that draft not going his way. Like you said, you wish that he could do, you know, and, and be drafted and, and get what he wanted. But now uh, the situation is, is much more up in the air. Yeah, for sure. But it definitely helps the Badgers. And now it's just kind of a waiting game. Um, I'm sure the Badgers are still plugging away and recruiting him, but now it's just he's got to make a determination for his future and really make a decision of what he cares more about and what he thinks he has a higher upside in. All right. Well, that wraps up the uh, the news part of the day. We'll talk about uh, Paul Chris Presser here quickly uh, before we get into our little exercise. Uh, Another uh, Monday morning press briefing, essentially, from Paul Christ. Uh, what did you take away from uh, his speech uh, Monday morning? I mean, there there wasn't a whole bunch. You know, he, mm-hmm. he a lot of times will just kind of give give bits and pieces. Um, you know, he talked about the opportunity, for example. Um, but I did think um, <laughs> it was it was noteworthy. <laughs> You're kidding. Paul Christ said opportunity in his presser. I would have never guessed. <laughs> yeah, um, but and that he appreciates what their uh, the players have been doing. But um, he he specifically called out a couple guys. I like that he talked a little bit about that center position. Um, mm-hmm. He brought up Cormac Sampson as a guy. I know we talked about when we last week when we talked about the two deep that Cormac Sampson was a guy you know gunning for that starting center job with Caden Lyles, and he specifically mentioned that. Uh, Cormac has made some nice gains. I still think he's pretty light for the position at, you know, just over 290. But I think really it's it's reassuring that he is doing well. Um, and he's probably your backup because they'd rather have Lyles. But it's good to know that they feel comfortable with him. Um, then additionally, I thought uh, the, the remarks about Jim Radike, um, talking about, you know, they're impressed by him, that the team is impressed by him. And it, the game doesn't seem too big for him, which is like another Paul Chris cliche. But really, um, I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to play. And he made it seem like he's going to play. Um, but it was also great just to see um, Paul Chris continue to work around questions such as who's going to be the kickoff returner and not answering the question whatsoever um, by instead just talking about that there's a bunch of guys um, without naming a single face. Um, so, that was one of the big takeaways for me. I thought just really more and more hype coming out of DK. Um, you know, supposedly had a really big scrimmage over the weekend um, and, and you know, got some pub coming out of Paul Chris' mouth, so we know it's real um, for the most part here. So those were the big takeaways for me. What did you make of it? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think the, the really the big points that uh, could be taken for you know from that uh, presser was those uh, you know it was kind of a, a lighter presser from from Paul Chris. You know, some days 
He's he's never a man of many words, but some days he's a little bit uh, more talkative and, and hitting on a few different things. Today was kind of a let's get in, let's button up the cliches, and then let's get out. But um, I I think you have to be really excited about what Shimre DK is going to bring to this team. It's it's not a matter of if he'll play. I don't think anymore. It's a matter of how much. You know, the the last time you heard about a freshman kind of this much coming into the season, you know, getting this much hype in fall camp was probably Jonathan Taylor. I remember that video the first time it came out of him on that screen pass and making a catch and making a run, and you're like, man, this this kid's got it. Well, kind of the same thing uh, happened with, with Chim Ray DK, and I'm not saying he's going to be a All-American receiver for multiple years uh, like Jonathan Taylor was at the running back position, but there's definitely hype building uh, around him as a player, and I think he would be a guy that really fills a lot of gaps in a way for this team that, that gives you kind of a dynamic playmaker, athletic receiver that I think they've got right now in Kendrick Pryor, who I who I could see having a big year as well. But but Chimray DK is going to be a guy that gets worked in the rotation and can kind of play all over the field at that receiver position. So it's nice to hear that uh, it's it's not just a few different people. You know, if the head coach is seeing it, that usually means you're having a big impact. Uh, you know, on the field right now. Yeah, and I, I do think there's going to be some freshmen that are going to play. I think him and Herbig were both guys that we had even talked about back in the spring as guys that we thought after they had committed, after they signed, um, that they were guys that we thought because they were enrolling early that they had the chance to play. And those two specifically have shined as guys that I would definitely pencil in as they're going to have some sort of contribution this year um, on the field. So I think that's definitely exciting. And, and I, I think for me it's it's reassuring because I know the Badgers – Right now, they have, you know, there's those top four, and Chris specifically mentioned that those are the four main guys. But then the next guy he brought up was Chimray DK, and then it was AJ Abbott. So it, it's one of those things where I'm expecting that Chimray DK is going to be running with the ones. And I think by season end, he's probably getting more, more reps than what you're seeing out of, um, out of both Dunn and Krumholtz. I, I just think he, he has, too much potential for what he could bring to the table, not only this year, but down the line, that you want to get him out there. And the Badgers seem to do pretty well when they get their wide receivers out there as freshmen and get them get them going because the Badgers are going to definitely need a guy to lean on next year when mm-hmm. those four possibly could be gone. Yeah, yep. You wanna you know get their feet wet now, especially with you know a new quarterback. Maybe you set up a connection to both for the uh, present and the future there. So all right, we'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into our little exercise. Like I said, we'll do a stock up, stock down uh, report kind of guys that we think will be have bigger years and maybe uh, lesser years um, than what uh, everything's looking at. So we'll go ahead and get to our quick ad reads here, and then we'll get into that exercise. All right, stock up, stock down. I, I think it was a, we were talking about what to do on the episode today. Matt came up with this idea, which I think was a great one to kind of see who we're expecting bigger things from, who not necessarily have a disappointing year, but is maybe going to um, not have as big a year as um, one might expect. So we'll start with up, and uh, I'll let you have the floor first. Who's a guy that you see that will have, a, you know, the, their trend is. Stock, their stock is trending up and uh, might have a bigger year than uh, what's expected. I think Jack Sanborn's going to absolutely go off. I think he's a guy that he is now your your leader of your defense. He's going to be calling the plays. Um, 
you know, he's he made a lot of plays last year. He was your your um, team leader in, in tackles, total tackles when you put together solo and assists. I, I think you look at nine tackles for loss last year and five and a half sacks, tied for the team lead in three interceptions. I'm not saying that those interception numbers are going to go higher, but I definitely think the tackles will probably be a little bit higher, and I think the tackle for losses will be higher again because we saw last year Chris Chris Orr accounting for 11 and a half sacks. I, I, I would split the difference between those two and think that Sanborn gets a little bit higher there in each of those categories, and I think he's he, he's he's going to have a huge year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that has to actually weigh his decision at the end of the end of the year just because I do think he has everything that you look for in a All-American linebacker in the Big Ten. I 100% agree with you. He was a guy that I was going to write his name down as, as a stock up as well, um, but I, I've already I've already kind of got really high stock on him already. Um, so for me, I think it's definitely, you know, I think you're 100% right. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be an All-American with his play. I think last year, uh, of course, Bond and, and Oric got the attention for what they did, but Jack Sanborn was just as good. And we, every Wisconsin uh, team kind of has that guy that uh, isn't necessarily the flashiest guy or, or makes all the plays, but he makes the, uh, you know a ton of them you know, with the tackles. The Ryan Connolly uh, model is kind of what Jack Sanborn has, and, and Ryan Connolly was one of my favorite Badgers ever. So I kind of see that with Jack Sanborn, and I expect him to have a huge year uh, as well. So I think you hit the nail on that one. All right, who, do you, who do you think is? My first stock up, and I was surprised. I thought this was going to be your guy, so I kind of feel bad to take him. And I think, do you, do you have an idea of who I'm do about it. to say? I know who you're going to take, and I love it. You take him. <laughs> Isaac Arendo. Um, I, I think just the way we're seeing, you know, this, I think we've all, we've both kind of been thinking this was going to happen for a while. But after hearing from what uh, Joe Rudolph had to say last time, kind of talk about it, I think he's going to be a guy that is taking on a much bigger role, uh, both as just a do-it-all type back, but also maybe as your primary uh, running back. Uh, I I just see him, the, the lights for everybody are kind of lighting up when they talk about him. Um, the coaching staff has been high on him. Everybody's talking about his athleticism. We saw it a little bit last year where I think it's just going to be at the end of the year that he might be your, your go-to guy and, and maybe you're starting back. He's got so many tools uh, that he can use, and I think just the way it's looking that he's going to be a guy that is going up. So uh, I'm going to say that Isaac Rendo is, is going to be that guy, and I really think he could be your starting running back uh, by season's end. I like it. I like it. Uh, he, he's definitely the home run hitter of the group and has the highest ceiling of at least the top three that have been called out the, the most frequently here. Um, so I am, I'm all aboard the Garendo train. I have been for a while. We'll see how it actually plays out as the year goes on. But, but I do agree with you that I think Garendo is a guy that is definitely on the, the stock up end of things. Um, next guy on my stock up is going to be, um, I know you said, said that uh, Stacey Rucci, um, if she listens to this, um, well, I'm going to go with Hayden, Hayden Rucci. Um, he's, he's in the two deep right, right now. He's probably going to be your inline tight end. 6'4", 250, he's got good size. And I think he's going to primarily be used as a blocker, but I do think he's, he's going to have an impact in the passing game. Now that I know that it's Graham Mertz who is, is the uh, quarterback, him and, him and Rucci are really good friends. 
and they have established a really good connection off the field. I would assume that kind of translates a little bit to the field as well. Um, so I would say that I think Ferguson's going to have a big year, but I do think that Rucci can take a little bit off of his plate and, and allow Ferguson to, to really just be more of a pass catcher. And I think Hayden Rucci is in for a big year. Um, he might not light up the scoreboard with, you know, six touchdowns and, and 300 yards receiving, but I do think that his um, impact as a blocker will be big, and I think he really will be a good addition to this offense because they did need a consistent guy to be your blocking tight end that can also be a threat in as a pass catcher. So I think he fits the mold there, and I'm stock up on, on him. I 100% agree with you. It's my next name written down uh, as well. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, now that we know that it's probably him at that second tight end spot, you know, we had talked about, well, is it going to be one of the other younger guys is going to be an older guy like Gabe Lloyd. You know, Jalen Franklin's kind of moving in there. But uh, if if you've seen Hayden Rucci's tape from high school, I know we haven't seen much of him at the uh, college level, but at the high school level, he was just uh, you know a beast out there. He's only gotten stronger since he's been at Madison. Um, so physically, he's ready. Uh, he's uh, you know quite a blocker. He kind of an extension of the offensive line in a lot of ways. But I think he can also you know catch the ball. And like you mentioned with Graham Mertz, kind of the uh, the impact that they're going to have being familiar with one another is going to be huge. So I I wholeheartedly agree with you on the uh, Hayden Ruggie side of things. All right, my number two is I'm mine. It's kind of a combo. So it's guys on the offense. There's no rules. There's no rules here. It's guys on the offensive line, and I had Logan Bruss written down because I think he's going to be a phenomenal player wherever he's at, whether it be right tackle or right guard. But I could also see where Tyler Beach comes in and has a bigger season and stock up where maybe that allows Bruss to kind of shift down to that right guard or however you want to do it, where the right side of the line for those two guys I think could be uh, really solid. So uh, if – Beach is what they expected to, and you can move that around. I think that opens things up where Bruss is even better. But whatever combo you have, I think you're going to see the right side of the Badgers offensive line be really strong, which will only help complement and, and strengthen the run game. You've got Cole Van Lana at left tackle, but if you've got a solid right side, which I think you can have with both of those guys, uh, it only shores up an offensive line and makes the, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers offensive line look as as solid as it always has, and I think they've got the potential to do that with uh, with both of those two, whatever combo you come up with. I like it. Yeah, I think I think the right side of the line should be pretty good. Beach has played a lot of football, um, and, and Brust is has been a multi year starter basically at this point. So I do think that that's going to be a good group. I think really the question is still at center um, at this point. I think everything else is is pretty pretty solid, and I think it should be good. Um, in terms of stock up, I mean. I I don't want to pick one of those two freshmen because we've we've talked about them a lot and and who really knows how deep the hype's going to go with with those guys with with DK and Herbig specifically so um, I'm I'm going to go in terms of stock up I'm I'm going to go with uh, Noah Burks um, I think last year he was somewhat overshadowed by what we saw out of um, or and Bond, those two were studs. They they did a lot of really good things for the Badgers last year, and there's a reason they're playing on Sundays. But but I really think that Noah Burks was overlooked quite a bit, and really is a guy that that made some really big plays, and he made his biggest plays in oftentimes the biggest games. 
um, and when they needed it. You know, he had that he had that interception that he took to the house against Northwestern. Um, but but beyond that, he had those sacks. He had a couple sacks against Ohio State. He had seven tackles for loss last year, which which was um, fourth highest on the team. And and really, yes, he played a lot at that outside um, backer position. But I think he's a guy that. He really had his first taste of the field last year um, in meaningful reps. Beyond that, beyond his uh, the time before that as a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, he really was limited to special teams, didn't play a whole lot. Last year he was kind of thrown in there because um, we saw the injury happen to, to Green May, and, and I thought he played really well. And I think he's going to be a guy that they can trust out there, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see – his sack totals really balloon. Um, you know, I'm not expecting him to go out and have a Zach Bond type season where he goes for 12 and a half. But I, I do think that you could see him, in, you know, hovering closer to the 10 range. You know, if we can get seven or eight out of him, that's pretty damn good. And I think the Badgers would take it. So I think stock up on Noah Burks, especially now as a senior, he's going to be one of those leaders in that linebacker core. And so I'm high on the Badgers uh, linebackers that they return guys that have played a lot of football. Yeah, you always kind of see um, you know, Wisconsin having guys that uh, have played a lot of football over their career, maybe have not been you know, the, the star on the team, but been in the rotation for years, and then they come in their senior season and just kind of jump up and, and make that bigger impact. I could definitely see that, see that uh, with Noah Burks as well. So I, I totally agree with you. He could be a guy that uh, really comes out of the wood and, and surprises people and, and puts together a big season. Uh, my last one on the stock up, I had two more that I had written down. Um, two and both, man. Um, I, I, I kind of agreed with you. I didn't want to do Herbig because we have talked about him a lot. I think we're both expecting stock up on him quite a bit. And then I actually had Kendrick Pryor on mine as well. I think a lot of the attention has been on uh, Danny Davis. And, of course, with Team Ray DK, that might change the position a little bit too. But yeah, Pryor's been a, a solid contributor for quite a while. I just see I see a situation where he works into the slot and, and maybe uh, they find some more ways to get the, the ball in his hands. I know the last few years his production levels have kind of, you know what you're going to get from him uh, every year. Yeah, he's uh, been really consistent. Yeah, consistent. But I think he might exceed that a little bit this year and, and be more involved in there. So I had both of those guys written down as, as possible guys that might make a jump up. You know, Herbig I think is going to play quite a bit, and I, I think Pryor will – exceed his, you know, uh, his usual constant line of what you're expecting from him and, and maybe, you know, go above and beyond that at the receiver position, which would be welcome to see because I think he brings a lot to the table if he's, uh, you know, putting out bigger numbers than what he normally does. Yeah, I think Pryor and and um, and Burks are both quintessential examples of developmental guys who have played a lot of football, have, have been out there, but now that they're entering their senior year, I expect a nice step from. So I agree with you. I continually think back to the fact that even when Quintez Cephas was on the field, um, Fayon Hicks said that the toughest guy to, to um, have to cover was Kendrick Pryor. And so I think KP will have a, a good year. I think between him and Danny Davis, they should have good things going. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Pryor is, is your number one wide receiver out there, like you were kind of insinuating. Yeah, that'll be a, a welcome sight if he is to you know have a nice you know cap to his career that has been uh, very successful thus far. But a nice big year for him, his senior season would be nice to see. All right, now stock down is not necessarily guys that we think are going to disappoint or have bad years, but maybe 
uh, won't see, you know, meet the expectations of what they've kind of had laid out preseason. You can interpret it whatever way you want, but we're not necessarily knocking on guys or anything like that. Um, and I'll start with there, and it kind of goes off of, you know, the, the stock up versus the stock down. If you've got Isaac Rendo on the up, it means someone's probably going to be on the, the downswing. And I think, as for right now, that's going to be uh, Nikia Watson for me. I, I don't think that he'll be a guy that is by by any means taken out of the rotation or not getting as many carries. But I just think to last year and, and Wisconsin running backs in the past, you know, you've always kind of had the next guy up that contributes at a high level. And I, I know the argument last year was, well, there's Jonathan Taylor. You're going to get him as many carries as you can, and, and, and that you're totally correct. And I think that's a very fair argument. But also, um, I think there was times where maybe they wanted to go to Nikki Watson to get Jonathan Taylor a blow, but maybe they didn't feel comfortable or, or the offense wasn't clicking as much with him. And hopefully he comes out and proves that wrong and is a star running back and, and wins the job and, and leads the team in carries. He very well could. But for right now, I think uh, there's other guys at the position that might you know, take away some carries, so that might trend him down a little bit uh, at the running back position. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's that's a guy I had thought about as well. I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now at that running back room, and we're not totally sure what this offense is really going to look like. I do think that Groshek is another guy that you could have done stock up because I do think he's going to get some more carries than uh, people originally thought in this offense as well. So a couple guys taking away carries here from Watson, so I think that makes a ton of sense. Um I'm going to go with Matt Henningsen as a guy, um, you know, and that's not anything against Hendog in terms of what he is as a player. He's a really good player. Um, I think he's kind of just kind of stuck in that logjam at the end where the Badgers, you know, he started a lot of games last year. Loudermilk and Rand, I think now as redshirt seniors, are going to be um, the primary guys out there now that Rand is fully healthy. I think, I think Henningsen is going to have a hard time replicating the output that he had last year. When you you think of two defensive touchdowns, you're thinking um, four sacks, you're thinking three fumble recoveries. He had a lot of splash moments and made some really big plays. I do think he's still going to be in the mix. He's still going to play a lot. He's still going to be able to get in the backfield, make things happen, because I do think this defensive line is going to be good. But I think you when you add in that there's two um, seniors – that are also fighting in that depth chart for defensive end spots. I think Laudermilk's a shoe in to be a starter for sure, and Rand is probably another guy. And the added talk of Inoke Brechterfield saying that he wants to get Keanu Benton in on nickel situations where the Badgers traditionally put two of their DNs down, um, I think it really makes it more likely that Henningsen isn't going to be in those pass rushing situations quite as much as he was last year. So I think Keanu Benton, Another guy you could totally say stock up, but uh, Matt Henningsen is, is going to be a guy that he's probably going to have to wait a year before he's getting the, the consistent first-team reps and, and seeing quite the production that we saw last year. So it's not necessarily he's not going to play less it's, or in that, that he's going to do anything less, but it's just he might not have the same um, impact that he had last year because he was very, very impactful last year. Yeah, I, I think all the points you make kind of you know make sense that you know, there's guys in front of them. There's uh, package changes, situational changes that they're trying to work into where the, somebody's going to feel that uh, you know the brunt of that, those decisions, and it, it looks like it could be a guy like Matt Henningsen. So I think what you said makes a lot of sense. And kind of going off of that, uh, my stock, my next stock down is actually. 
Keanu Bent, uh, Benton, and uh, I'll say only because I think I, I was looking through the roster and I said, who's the guy that if you looked around, who's going to be the sophomore slump, you know, that had a big year um, and, and maybe comes in and isn't as, as not as good as what you expect. I think he's going to be very good, but I think for Keanu Benton, last year he came in as a freshman, made a big splash, and teams didn't know what to prepare for. And now all of a sudden, you know, opposing teams are going to look at it and say, okay, they've got a massive, you know, dynamic nose tackle that they can use, and we're going to have to prepare for him, and we're going to have to uh, pay a lot more attention to him. So I think from that regard, you may see not necessarily a downturn in production. It's just there's going to be a lot more, you know, offensive game plans that key for a guy like Keanu Benton because he's an absolute stud at the nose tackle position where he's not going to surprise anyone this year. So I don't think he's going to be a guy that has a down year or uh, doesn't produce. I just think uh, in terms of a quote-unquote sophomore slump, there's just going to be so much more attention paid to him that maybe he won't uh, have as dominating of a season just because you know there's going to be a lot more game plan and, and blocks and things planned out because he's just uh, a physical beast at the nose tackle position. Okay, I I like that one. That's what, that is not what I saw coming. So I don't totally agree with you on that one, but at the same time, I get it. I I'm fascinated to see what his season looks like this year mm-hmm. because I I think he is the type of nose tackle that the Badgers have not had in uh, some time. I think he just brings something totally different than what the Badgers usually have at that spot. Um, a guy who played quite a bit last year started some games was Josh Stiltzner. Um, I'm I'm going to put him as a guy who stacked down. Not necessarily because I think uh, he's anything less of a player, but more because I think the return of John Dietzen has really shifted things at that left guard spot. Um, I think Dietzen is a player that they're gonna they're gonna have on that line if if he's healthy and can play, he's gonna be your starter. I think his leadership, um, how I mean, the dude is a mammoth at six six three twenty. Uh, he is super strong, one of the strongest guys on the entire team, and I think John Dietzen his return. Um, really the the guy who is hit hardest by this is Josh Seltzner, uh, former walk-on out of Columbus. So I think he's a guy that is probably going to play. He's going to definitely play as a, as probably the backup left guard, or maybe there's that or designation that the Badgers love to throw around a lot and give Dietzen a break here every couple of series. But I do think that Dietzen is going to be your starter if he comes into the season healthy and exits camp healthy, I should say. So there's just too much smoke of conversation about Dietzen for him not to be one of your, your five. And I think you look at who he is when he's healthy, and he's definitely one of your best five. And I think that left – you talked about the right side being really strong. I think if Dietzen is healthy and has the type of season that he could have, the left side is going to be dangerous. Um, so I, uh, I think Josh Seltzner is a guy who's probably stuck down just a bit just because of other factors. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I mean, John Deason, like you said, if he's if he's healthy and ready to go, he, he's one of your five. I don't think there's much debate on that. Um, so somebody's going to have to be working. You can only play five. Well, Wisconsin could probably find a way to play. <laughs> they can find a way to play more, um, you know, a lot. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you're going to be having five guys out there unless you're busting out uh, the hippo package uh, more than someone expects. And, and someone's going to be a guy that's kind of left out. And that. Looks like it very well could be uh, Seltzner, but it gives the the Badgers some depth, and maybe you can rotate. And uh, so I like that pick. And uh, again, it's a guy that he's a good football player, but if John Dietzen's one of the guys and he's ready to go, he's one of the guys that's going to be out there. So, all right, my last one 
is uh, the outside linebacker position. Been a lot of uh, talk about Nick Herbig, so I think if there's a guy that might uh, you know lose out on, on a job because of uh, what Nick Herbig brings, it's going to be Isaiah Green May uh, for me. Uh, it's for me, Isaiah Green May, of course, you had last year, came in as the starter, lost his way. This year, it looks like not that he might lose it, but there's a guy that is definitely uh, creeping up. So it's, it's for me, it's time to see it from Isaiah Green May. I know the weight has been an issue for him, uh, which kind of held him up somewhat last year, and he got bigger this year. But now hopefully he can come out and see it and, and prove that he is a guy that can start at the outside linebacker position and give the Badgers the pass rush they need, but until they see it, he's kind of a stock down for me because I think the the stock for, for Nick Herbig has skyrocketed over the last week, so uh, if you're looking at, you know, Noah Burks is the guy that you said is going to be uh, a stock up, and, and Nick Herbig's a stock up, so somebody at that outside linebacker position probably has to be trending downward, and I think Isaiah Green May is that guy, and, and hopefully he comes out and proves it wrong, but until we see it on the field, uh, I'm going to put him as the stock down for now. I think that is totally fair. I think another guy in that room that um, is getting a lot of praise and in practice day, we can see has played a lot, is playing with the ones in, in some capacities, is also C.J. Getz. So I think you look at between Herbig, Getz, there's there's a lot of guys gunning for that starting spot that Green May is supposedly um, – the, the leading contender for. So I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what the outside linebacker rotation looks like because I doubt they take Burks off the field far too often, whereas Green May might be the guy who they would pull and put some of those other guys out there to give him a shot before they can figure out who the established dude is. Um, and then for me, uh, I'm going to go at the um, inside linebacker position for a stock down, and it's not going to be – one of your uh, guys who's going to probably play a bunch, but I'm going to go with Muma Jung Mehta. Uh, he's a guy that I think there was – he played really well last uh, last fall camp as a guy that we thought could maybe maybe have a spot in the two deep this year. I, I still think he's, he's going to be a guy who's going to possibly get one of those two deep spots, but I just really don't think that he's going to see the field too much this year. I think – Mascalunas will, will definitely be the third line, inside linebacker. And there's a couple freshmen that are nipping on his heels. You know, he's only a redshirt freshman, so I'm not saying that, you know, sell on Muma Jongmeta, but I do think that some of those younger freshmen have, are pushing him and have just as good a shot to round up that two deep and, and get some playing time this year, especially given the fact that um, you look at a guy like Malik Reed, who's coming from one of the top high schools in the country and, and really kind of already physically looks ready. And um, I think Muma Jongmeta is a guy that could, could kind of take a back seat a little bit in the inside linebacker room just because there are a lot of good bodies and a lot of young players that are all fighting for um, that spot behind Sanborn and Chanel. And they're already kind of stuck be- behind Mascalunas as well. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. You look at uh, John Meta is a guy that hasn't really played a lot of football either, um, and, and maybe as you move to the uh, the collegiate level and, and get more familiar with it, uh, it might take a little time, and some of these other guys might be uh, ready to go right away. Um, that could work into uh, that too deep. So uh, I totally agree with you and hear what you're saying on that one. I think that could be a very well – uh, candidate uh, for for a trend downward or a stock downward as some of these other guys kind of work their way up. I think that inside linebacker position for 
maybe not this year. I don't think there's going to be a ton of you know guys that you'll see on the field this year, other than the names that we've mentioned. Um, you know, but next year could be a situation where you're going to need some of those guys with with Jack Sanborn if he has his biggest season as we expect him to. Um, there could be some questions coming for his future, and and then the other guys would have to step up uh, to fill in that way. Uh, did you have any other names written down as, as honorable mentions for for either one? Yeah, one guy I really uh, wanted to call it as well was Colin Wilder. Um, you look at the news from Reggie Pearson not being on the active roster. Hopefully, he comes back. But you look at Redshirt Senior. He, he's healthy. He he got his you know he got on the field last year quite a bit, played a, a decent amount, and made some nice plays. He's a solid player. I think Colin Wilder. When you watch some of the B-roll, he's he's out there a lot with the number one defense, which. I think is a positive thing because I think Burrell, Nelson, you got to also have another guy that you can rotate in there. And Kyle Wilder is, is definitely a player that, that fits that mold. So I think Colin Wilder is definitely another stock up guy that um, can, can definitely see the field this year um, in a lot of ways. And um, another guy would, would be AJ Abbott, just because I think he's another guy that could see some playing time on offense. So if I had to go one on offense, one on defense, I'd probably go Wilder and, and Abbott as well. But I do think just everything that we're hearing and seeing with uh, Chimray DK kind of slows down some of that stock up in the kind of the steepness of that slope for, for Abbott. Yeah, those all those names make sense. I think uh, there's a lot of names that you could look up um, you know, to be trending upward, and there's going to be guys that – uh, if other players make an impact, that might feel the, the brunt of that. You can only play so many guys, so there's going to be situations where uh, playing time is going to be taken by someone if uh, if the situation calls for it. So right, that was a fun exercise. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know you know, on the, the B5Q post who you might think is a guy that is trending upward and downward. We always love uh, the dialogue and engagement uh, with you guys as commenters and, and guys that are listening. We always like to uh, hear from you that way. So. Uh, make sure to do that. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe as well. Uh, we'll be back with you guys later in the week as we get closer and closer to Big Ten football. Uh, and as always, on Wisconsin.